Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. Well, who knows what today is? 101. We start our 101st year. Yeah. That's a big deal. Do you know why Grace Baptist Church has been here for 101 years? Let me read you a letter. Dear Brother Ray and Joanna and church family, thank you so much to Grace Baptist Church. It was good to be with you a few weeks ago to kick off your Lottie Moon emphasis for international missions. Grace has always felt like home to us. Thank you for your generous hospitality. It means a lot to know you pray for us. God bless you as you begin your second secretary of service, Mark and Vesta Sauter. The figures are in, yes. The figures are in, and the CMO, our goal was $22,000. And this year we raised $23,073.28. That's why we're here after 100 years. In our 101st year, because our emphasis has been out and not in. We have looked out and not in. We have looked how we could serve God in the Garvin Street neighborhood, in the city of Evansville, in the state of Indiana, in the United States, and beyond that into the world. And because of that, God has blessed. I want to look with you at a story this morning about the children of Israel. It's found in Numbers 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, catch this, which I am giving to the children of Israel. For each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are, are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Catch this, be of good courage and bring some fruit from the land. Now the time was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zanas, from Rehob near the entrance to Hamath. 
God has delivered the children of Israel. Long before this, he had promised Abraham he was going to take him to a land that he would show him. And that one day that would be the home of God's people, the Israelites. And it has been a long journey for them. They have spent time in Egypt in slavery for 400 years. And when the time was right, God has brought them out of slavery and is taking them to the promised land. And they have come to the very edge of the land, to the very cusp, to the edge of the River Jordan. And God says to Moses, here's what I want you to do. Take one man from every one of the 12 tribes of Israel and send him into the land that they might see the land that I am giving to the children of Israel. You see, that's the key phrase there. He's not saying, send them in there to see if they think we can do this or not. He didn't say, send them in there to see if they think we can overcome. He did not say, send them in there to see if they really want to do this. He said, send them into the land I have promised them to which I am going to give them. The outcome has already been determined. God has promised them that land. And so, he, it is predetermined. And so, he's sending them for a preview to see what this wonderful land is like. And Moses tells them, be of good courage, because Moses understands what they're going to see when they get there. Uh, and God is not seeking their opinion. He is directing them towards the blessing he's going to pour out on them. And Moses tells them, be of good courage. There's no need to fear. What you're going to see will astound you. And so they go into that land, and in the 13th chapter, the 23rd through the 28th verses, it says, then they came to the valley of Eschol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. Can you imagine a cluster of grapes so big they had to put it on a pole, and it took two guys to carry it? Take that through the checkout line at Schnooks. <laughs> man, oh man. The place was called the Valley of Eschol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron, all the congregation of Israel. And they said to him, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Now catch this next word. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. He was a giant. The Amalekites dwell in the land to the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, Let us go up at once and take position, for we will be able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Do you catch what's happened there? They've gone into the land, and it's a marvelous place that God's promised them. Grapes and pomegranates. I don't know what a pomegranate tastes like. Uh, I don't know if you can even buy a pomegranate in Evansville. But they were there, and they were huge. And this land was marvelous. And it was wonderful, but there were giants there, big men, 
There were powerful cities, fortified cities. And in that 28th verse, the future of Israel in that generation turned because they said, nevertheless, it's a beautiful place. It's a wonderful place. There's all these grapes. There's all these pomegranates and all these things. But there's giants there. And there's fortified cities there. And we cannot do this. You see, that's the point. They couldn't do it. God wanted them to see this marvelous land. And he wanted them to see the giants. And he wanted them to understand that he was going to be in charge and he was going to give them this land. And he wanted them to understand that the giants were there and the mighty cities were there. And so they could take none of the credit when they finally go into the promised land. It all has to go to the glory of God and give him the honor and the glory. But their focus was wrong. They focused on the giants and the problems when they should have focused on God's promise and God's blessing. We live in difficult and changing times. Church is never going to be the same post-COVID. Everything has changed. People have rather sit at home and watch on live stream and eat their donut bank donuts and drink coffee. The only problem is the scripture says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. The strength is in the numbers when the body comes together to worship God corporately and give him glory and praise as one. And if you're staying home for other than health reasons, you're missing out and robbing yourself of a blessing. Now I'm preaching in the choir because you're all here, right? And it is never going to be like it was. I saw that one of the biggest churches in America is 25% behind on their offering. Their weekly budget, by the way, is $685,000. That's 200,000 more than our annual budget. So figure 20% of that, they're falling short about $120,000 a week. That is, <clears throat> well, I won't do the math, but that's about five, wow. And our tendency is to remember things in the past and not look with hope and glory to the future. I want you to see what, what they did. If you, if you look at the 14th chapter, <clears throat> it says, so all the congregation <clears throat> lift up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And then all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in the wilderness, why has God brought us to the land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be victims. Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? You see, the problem with memory is, memory is selective. They see this, these giants and they, they, they don't focus on the promise of God, they focus on the problems and the challenges ahead of them. When every problem and every challenge they have ahead of them can be met when they depend upon God and put their faith 
and trust in Him. If only we'd have stayed in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, for goodness sakes. They cried out to God after 400 years, Lord, deliver us out of the midst of all of this suffering and pain. And God delivered them. He took them to the Red Sea, and the army of Pharaoh was saw no more, and he led them right up to the promised land. And now when things look a little difficult and a little tough, they say, we want to go back where we were slaves. Things are never going to be like they were. But that doesn't mean the future is not good and the future is not bright. They focused on their fear and not their faith. One of the best friends I ever had was a fellow named Bob Bishop. He's gone home to be with the Lord. He was from Center, Alabama. He was the head of a group that Joanne and I traveled with for a few years, the first full week of June. They built, remodeled churches. Cherokee County Carpenters for Christ. And Bob and I were having coffee one evening. And he said, I want to tell you a story. He said, I was at a church in a big city in the south. I won't mention the name of the city. He said, and they had just built the interstate that went around the city, like 465 goes around Indianapolis. And he said, the church was doing some remodeling, but right at the edge of that interstate was a piece of land that was for sale. And he said, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of cars went by there every day. And he said, I prayed, and the Lord said, you know, that's where they should build their church. He said, so I researched it, and that piece of ground was for sale for a million bucks. He said, so I went to the leaders of the church, and he said, we're building in the wrong place. You need to build right there where everybody goes by, they'll see you, put up your big sign, and, and your church will just grow be available. The leader said, oh, well, we'll talk, talk about it in a business meeting, but a million bucks is a lot of money. Before the business meeting, one of the lady, little ladies in the church invited him to dinner. And he and his wife went to her house for dinner, and they sat down to dinner, and she said, so are you going to recommend tonight we buy that ground? He said, Yes. She said, it's a million bucks. He said, yeah, I know it is. She said, here. And she shoved across the table a check for a million dollars. She said, now here's the rule. You put that in your pocket. You go to that meeting. But they have to, on faith, vote to buy that land. And if they vote to buy that land, you give them a million dollars. He said the hardest thing in his life was to sit in that business meeting and listen everybody talk about why they couldn't do it, how they couldn't do, do it, the impossibility of it all. And he sat there with a million-dollar check in his pocket, and he wept because they voted not to do it, and he took her back her check. We have a tendency to look on the dark side of things. It's been a hard year. We're $70,000 short of budget. Tendance is down. But yet in the last six weeks or so, we've baptized six precious souls. We have one Sunday school class that is growing tremendously. We had to move them to a bigger room. Amen. 
the issue is where we put our focus. And our focus should be upon the Lord of Lords and King of Kings because He could accomplish anything. Amen. Will it ever be like it was? I, I, I sincerely doubt that. But that don't mean that the future's not bright and the future's not good. There were a faithful few. Caleb and Joshua were two of the twelve that went. And both of them spoke in favor of growing into the promised land. Caleb says, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to accomplish it. Joshua, in Numbers 14, 6 to 9, but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephthah who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of Israel, saying, <clears throat> the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into His land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their portion was departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Don't fear change. It's hard. It's difficult. But what Joshua was doing, basically, is quoting Romans 8.38, and he didn't even know Romans 8.38. If God be for us, who can be against us? For a hundred years, God has been for Grace Baptist Church. And I have no reason to believe that for 101 years, he will not also be for us. It is up to us to commit ourselves to trust Him, to believe in Him, to change where change is necessary. First church I ever served was a little old EUB church. I was called to preach when I was about 17 or 18. I started preaching when I was 15. And two marvelous men, Dr. Robert Koenig and Dr. C.J. Hancock poured their lives into me. And every Sunday, they had me preaching somewhere. When it started, my mom used to have to take me, or my dad, or my grandpa, because I couldn't drive. And C. David Hancock had sent me out to a little old church in a town, probably ought to name, uh, near Clinton, Indiana. And I showed up to preach on Sunday, and there were six people there. I'd driven 45 miles to preach, and I, I let her rip as best I could. Uh, Dr. Hancock called me that week, and he said, I want you to do something. And I said, anything. He said, I want you to go up there and pastor that little church. I said, oh, Dr. Hancock, I don't know that I'm ready to pastor a church. And he said, son, let me tell you something. They're dead and they just don't know it. They've been hanging on, but I don't know how much longer they can hang on. And all I'm asking you to do is go and give them your best. From then till now, that has always been my motivating speech in ministry. Give them your best. Give them all you got.
Dr. Hancock, by the way, came up with a plan that would merge 10 small churches in that county to make one big church. And he came out to our church, and on the Sunday before that, I said, you know, the superintendent's coming out, and he's going to let you make the decision, but there's nine other churches that are going, and we can go together with them and be a big church, bigger church and a healthy church. There were 10 people. The next Sunday, we had business meeting. There were 53 people there. They voted to stay the way they were. The next Sunday, guess how many people we had for church? Ten. That church died. The other nine went together, and that church is still almost 50 years later. My goodness, 60 years later. A thriving church running about 300 on Sunday morning. We cannot stay like we are and go with God. He calls us to make the journey with Him. And sometimes that means we have to make the hard decisions. Philippians 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, but being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. <laughs> let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Other than preaching my granddaughter's funeral, what I'm about to say is the hardest thing I've ever said in my life. after listening to many of you and your concerns about Grace Baptist Church and looking at the reality, I have realized that my best is no longer good enough. So with great sadness, I terminate as of this moment my resignation as pastor of Grace Baptist Church. I find no joy in that. This church has a great future. I feel this morning like Moses in, in the book of Deuteronomy, right before the book of Judges. It says, then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all of Nephetali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea, the south and the plain and the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Or. And the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. I see a great future for this great church. I shall not cross over there. Brother Rick, come and pray for us, will you? Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org.
We look forward to seeing you again next week.